Good morning, church. Of course you know what that means, do you not? Church means the called out ones from the place of the world into the fellowship with the Heavenly Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning uh, I am going to talk about hardness of heart. Yes, and the Lord would like it softened. A classic example of hardness of heart is Pharaoh of Egypt and uh, the frogs came and <sighs> thousands and thousands and thousands of frogs everywhere and they die and they stink and the frogs crawling and everything. And Pharaoh didn't particularly like that so um, uh, he said, please take away the frogs. His heart was so soft, at least for an hour or two, and, and then it, the same thing over and over again. Pharaoh was attentive to God's command and proceeded to obey it and with compliant action until uh, that old thing inside of him grew up and said, these Israelites... So now Jesus happened to have told his disciples that they had hardness of heart. Yes, the disciples had been walking with him for a long time, for, for several months. Therefore, he said they had a hardness of heart. Well, let's review then uh, how this perhaps happened. Okay, this is rather somewhat early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, he was in Nazareth and did a li limited number of miracles at that time. And then he and his disciples then traveled around to the various villages and proclaiming the kingdom and they were healing the sick like uh, uh, was happening this morning. And lots of people got sort of excited about the kingdom of God. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I'll interject here um, about power. You know, we've had some rather strong um, expressions of power this morning. God's powerful, yes, 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 and all that stuff. And I would like you to see how that power expresses itself. Um, let's see. I know there's a, in the St. Louis Symphony, there's a, a percussionist, and I can't remember his name. Um, I think you know who it is. <sighs> yes, that's the guy. I mean, he's, he works out, strong guy. Right. I mean, he he's runs a mile or three, I don't know what he does, but he does all sorts of things, and he's a very strong man. And he says he has to do that in order to play the percussion instruments properly. Because strength comes in big, powerful forces, and it comes in very slight, controlled, very precise actions also. And this other strength is there because it's there. It makes the precision of the fine things even better. So, as we go through this thing, we can see God's power. Okay, here it is. Disciples are they're healing the sick and the people they followed Jesus and, and 
And then Jesus says, all right, now I'm going to send out your disciples two at a time to the various villages. Okay, and they go and they see demons go and they do all these things. You know, yeah, um, as uh, um, they're on the mission trip. And uh, we have a gentleman over here who knows what kind of activity happens on mission trips. And, you know, it's, it's hard work. When we were doing that sort of thing, uh, um, uh, uh, going around visiting the congregations and stuff, it's, it's hard work, traveling and, and talking. And tra because when um, you're casting out demons and when you're talking about the kingdom, there is a high level of energy and effort that is involved in that in order for it to come out. It, it's hard work. Cause, so people are following the disciples and uh, Jesus and the disciples get, get in the boat. So we're going to get away from them. Oh, let's go have a retreat, Jesus says. So we're going to have a retreat. And like, like Warren when he's back from the Philippines, I need this rest. And, uh, tired of no God takes him a week to get, re get recuperated, you know. So, the disciples get in the boat and they go a little ways over to a nice, desolate, quiet place. Well, the people saw which direction they went and they run around to the other side or to the, wherever this place was. And guess what? The boat lands and there's these people. How many people? People and more people and oh, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, ten thousand, probably somewhere in that neighborhood. At least they counted, roughly speaking, that there were five thousand men there. Lots of people. Well, that sort of takes care of our retreat, doesn't it? Okay, so, but. And Jesus, as usual, was listening to the Heavenly Father and he had compassion on us. And he taught them and he taught them and it was getting late. And the disciples said, get him out of here, get him out of here, get him out of here. We want our retreat. Get him out, get him out. And uh, they said, uh, Jesus says, oh, well, so feed him. What? So Jesus says, well, have them sit down. What do you got? Oh, they got five loaves and two fish. And so the disciples are involved again, working, of handing out the food. And they hand it out, and I'm sure, I would I'd guess this way, they got a circle of 50 people here, and uh, they're all sitting down, and uh, this disciple comes up and says, yeah, here's your bread. Here's your fish. And it said, no, you pass it out too. So I think everybody was involved in this miracle of seeing the bread. Just, boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. Fish. I thought I had to. I have to. I have I have to. I have to. And that is another the indication how hard did the disciples and the Jesus have to work 
to make that bread do that, see? But that's part of the power structure that God has built in Christians, is that they can see and understand and feel and observe God's power in action. So, there they are, all, all fed up. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting expression? And uh, Jesus says, all right, you disciples, I want you to get in the boat and row over to Bethsaida, and I'll dismiss the people. And the disciples are thinking, this is all speculation. I don't have a clue what the disciples were thinking, but I am guessing. What? Where is our retreat? Uh, Okay, we'll get in the boat and row. Now, I don't know for sure or not, but they being uh, sailors and fishermen, whether they knew that there was going to be a wind that night or not, I don't know. But perhaps they did. And another reason, perhaps, why they said, oh, we don't want to go in this boat and go across the water. Well, let's see. Let's start reading in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 43. And uh, there it is. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And, when, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified but immediately he spoke to them and said take heart it is I do not be afraid and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were all utterly astonished for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened. Now this is also the incident where Peter walked on the water and uh, that and uh, went out and came back in the boat and they were all ecstatic about that and and uh, So, how did this hardness of heart happen? I think that when the disciples were tired, frustrated, and not having a a rest time, that it dulled their ability to hear the word of the Lord in their hearts. And so they walked through this miracle 
like, for instance, the Jews, when they saw that Lazarus had risen from the dead, what'd they say? Some of them said, oh, we got to kill Lazarus too and kill this Jesus. It was somehow or other, you know, it had shut down their ability to hear and see what the Lord wanted to have happen. Jesus did. He had the compassion. And I'm sure the Father told Jesus, okay, now I want those disciples to get out there. I got a little test for them tonight. Uh Okay. So I think that's how that happened. So, are you perhaps uh, experiencing uh, some difficulties in sickness or a problem at home or work or whatever, you know, frustrating you and, and uh, consequences of people's other division, divi- decisions? Uh, are the worries of, of our lives together or your life hindering you from hearing God? Perhaps... If you eliminate some of the difficulties or realize that that's what's happening then and uh, change your thinking and and say, okay, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say for me in this situation now. And let the Holy Spirit do it. Okay. So in John chapter 10, verse 26, here's what it says. Jesus was talking with the Jews that were around him at the time and here's what he told him Jesus said but you do not believe in me because you are not among my sheep my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me okay do you hear Jesus voice are you a believer Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know these these four letters, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Okay. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, then he is talking to you. So how does he talk to you? Well, let's go back and pick a, a, a... a king, for instance, and see what happened with him. In Psalm 16, King David says this, and it, he uh, shows what, how he set himself up to hear from the Lord. First thing he did is he would set the Lord before him. You know, concentrate. Okay, I'm going to set myself in my mind so that I am cognizant that Jesus is there. Why do I say Jesus? Because I'm sure that's what he did. And then what happens? He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Isn't he not before? Oh. So then what he sensed was when he concentrated on Jesus, he could sense Jesus come to his side So he's close to his ear to be able to talk 
to Dave, King David and let him know what to do. Therefore, King David says, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, and my flesh also dwells secure. And if you follow the, what King David did during those times out there running away from King Saul, that's what happened. You know, it fits. It fits. Okay. So, in the morning, I concentrate on the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to yield and listen to your voice. And, uh, let's see. So, here's what has happened with me. On occasions, Jesus has spoken real words that I recognize as real English speech right directly into my head. Most of the time Jesus talks to me as uh, oh, little thoughts that are just pop up in my head and it's really hard for me to distinguish at whether it's from the Lord or whether it's, it's me. Because being a follower of the King, you know, we think a lot, a lot of the time, but sometimes not, you know. Okay. So, those thoughts, oh, that's a good thought, wow. For instance, um, uh, lately I uh, took that uh, balloon down from top of the fan out there in the cupola in the school. Okay, so I put my ladder up, walk up there, take it down. In the process, I am listening to the Lord and having him tell me if I'm doing anything wrong or if I'm, so, you know, that to me that is a little bit of an intense uh, um, adrenaline spot, you know. And so um, uh, I climb up there and reach out with my picker thinger dinger thing and pick that thing off and walk down the ladder. Oh, fine. I was also cutting down a tree in our yard, you know, climbing up on the ladder, same ladder, and, uh, you know, sawing the branches off at the top with a uh, reciprocal saw and making sure they fall properly. And they, you know, Lord, am I doing it right? Yes, okay. And, uh, you know, when one falls with a tree, shakes, and I'm hanging on there, you know. And then uh, cut down the final, the whole rest of the trunk that's left. You know, and it wants to fall this way, and I don't want it to hit the sidewalk because it could crack the sidewalk. And uh, so instead, I cut it so that hopefully it will swing over and land on the grass instead. And it did just fine, just fine, just perfect, all just wonderful. Whew, thank you, Lord, you know. Because, see, as I'm listening to the Lord and sensing a um, an affirmation or a little glitch, whichever way it might be, you know, so you can tell you, okay, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, no, no, that's right, that's right, that's right. So, um, you've heard of dog training, have you not? And seen some videos about it called Whisper Commands. 
guess what? That's the way Jesus likes to talk with you most of the time, is it not? Whisper commands. Mm -hmm. So, how does God do that? Well, he trains us to do that on a daily and hourly basis most of the time. For instance, um, um, <clears throat> when your parent tells you something to do, you say, oh, yes, yes, Daddy, I'll go do it. Uh, your teachers say something. Uh, your kids tell you something. Uh, what else? Your boss tells you something. Your customer tells you something. And you say, oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course, if they want something wrong, well, that's a different story. But that's the way the Lord trains me so that when he wants to tell me something that's really important, I say yes and do it. Um, I'll tell you an incident that happened to me on January 11th in 1995. I was on my way to work at Hillby and Lumber Company over in Cedar Hill. And uh, it had snowed about a week before that. And so it was foggy that morning besides. So here it was like 7.30 or something early in the morning. And I drive up the road up to tower road up here next to the tall tower. AT&T towers. And I, okay, compassionate me. I pull off on the side on the shoulder there to let all the cars by so that I can drive across and make sure that, you know, that there's nobody in the road and anything like that. So there I'm sitting, waiting the cars to go by in the fog there. and It's not really foggy, but just a little bit. And finally I'm ready to turn, and in my mind says, drive straight ahead. And I look out the window and I say, I don't see any cars. Well, I can make it. So I push on the gas and start to turn. And so I turn and start, to, oh, and I slip about a couple, three, five, ten seconds there. And then I go, bang, next thing I know, a car hits the rear bumper of my pickup, throws me across the road, and uh, here this car is. The driver had borrowed it from his father-in-law, and here I had wrecked the car. And so forth and so forth. But see, the Lord, when he corrects and, and says things, uh, he was very merciful. I wasn't hurt. The other driver wasn't hurt. Nobody was hurt. But I disobeyed. You know, and I, That was a very turning point in my ability to say, yes, Lord, you know. Uh, and I still catch myself quite often saying, no, yes, Lord, I will do it. So, what have we heard today? Jesus speaks to all of his followers. Are you listening? Do you have problems, troubles, hardness of heart? 
Are you praying the problems or are you praying the promises? How do you hear his voice? Would you like to be able to hear it better? You need this sensitivity in order to be cognizant of the supernatural, the things that God is doing around you all the time. Because God's supernatural often comes as a flow and a smooth of something that seems like it's normal and natural. But in this sinful world, it, it would have bumpy spots and it would be hard and it would be not right all the time. So I think when we sense the supernatural of the Lord's, of living in his kingdom, and it's all going smooth and nice. That is an indication of God's gracious and its mercy of the power that's, of it's, what it's like when you're following the Holy Spirit and sensing what's, and doing what, what he wants you to do. Talk about joy. You know, that's good stuff. Can we live with our hardened hearts? Sure, <laughs> yeah, do it often, you know, quite often. But that gives a mediocrity to life, and 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 something that is not not really good. It's like ho hum, dull drum life. With sensitivity to the Lord's voice, we can see the supernatural and the kingdom activity that's happening and be part of it. Oh, and they also expect a little bit of persecution along the way, perhaps. So, why were the disciples so excited after the wind stopped? Well, because the wind stopped. And their hearts were no longer hardened. 